Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Guardians won the Astros nothing. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you're probably wondering yourself, Davey, how, is there even enough material to do a podcast on a one nothing game like this? A game where the only run is scored on a solo home run. Well, I'm going to try my best for you. I'm going to try to fill a good 18 to 20 minutes here of content with Tristan McKenzie being absolutely lights out. I mean, that's what everyone is talking about after this game. I mean, the announcers were gushing about McKenzie. Uh, everything in Mandy Bell's postgame articles about McKenzie. Uh, all the talk is about Tristan McKenzie after this game. He pitches fantastic actually records a bunch of strikeouts, uh, does not give up a home run in this game, which is most important. Uh, you know, he has been victimized by the home run ball a decent amount this season. And so keeping him in the ballpark, even though Jordan Alvarez tried to leave the ballpark in that first inning. In fact, Alvarez has the hardest hit ball of the game, the furthest hit ball of the game, 385, but it was to dead center field. And Straw was able to run it down. So we keep Houston in the ballpark. It's a great job by McKenzie. And yeah, it's what everybody's talking about. I mean, this kid is fantastic. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And I'm going to be honest with you, I always am. Some Sundays, you know, these noon Peacock games, these early Peacock games, you know, some Sundays you can sit around, you can throw your feet up, make a sandwich maybe. Uh, crack open a cold beverage of your choice. And then other Sundays, you agree to help your parents cut down a tree, a dead tree in their backyard, and you spend the entire afternoon doing yard work at your parents' house. You didn't realize it was going to be that involved. It always is more than that, right? So, uh, yeah, I spent the afternoon covered to head and head to toe in... Uh, you know, in uh, wood shavings from uh, cutting down trees and chopping up firewood out of it and pruning other trees. And I was working my tail off. I think me and Tristan McKenzie were the two hardest working guys in Cleveland yesterday. And uh, I did, of course, check in on the game. Uh, it was funny. I'm watching the highlights back and there's a giant rainstorm, giant rainstorm that rolls through in the sixth inning of this game, right? Well, that exact same rainstorm hit us down in the suburbs and uh, drove us out of the backyard for about a good half hour. And uh, I actually got to come in and watch a little bit of the game, watch McKenzie pitch for a little bit, not realizing the exact same rainstorm had just rolled through uh, while the Guardians were batting in the bottom of the sixth inning. So I thought that was funny watching the highlights back. I was like, hey, I know that driving rain. I, I was standing outside during that as well. So, uh, yeah, that was a funny moment uh, for me yesterday, enjoying the game. So I did get to see a little bit of it. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Tristan McKenzie, I mean, absolutely dominant. Eight innings pitched, two hits. In fact, two hits given up in the second inning, and then he shuts them down for, like, the next 18 batters. Doesn't allow another base runner until a walk, a one-out walk in the eighth inning. Uh, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. Really nice on the day on only 91 pitches. That was the thing. He was so efficient. I think I heard him say at one point 
He like had a six-pitch or seven-pitch inning. He was so efficient on the day, even with eight strikeouts. I mean, that's something we've seen Bieber get into, where like he's just racking up, like he gets the double-digit strikeouts, but he can't get past the sixth inning because he's just using up pitches to get those strikeouts. So the fact that he gets eight strikeouts here, only throws 91 pitches to get through eight innings, yeah, he probably could. He probably could have gone out there and competed for the complete game shutout, but Francona thought his stuff was slipping just a little bit in the eighth inning. Maybe his velocity was down a little bit, and uh, you know he did allow the walk, so he figured, why not? I have one of the arguably best closers in baseball in Emmanuel Classe. Why would I waste it with a one nothing lead? Why push my luck? Uh, Francona, who's been gambling like crazy all season, right? Uh, why push my luck here? Let's just throw Classe out there, and let's get this win. Get this win that evened up this series. We have not lost a series since the All-Star break. We have split every one of these four-game series, no matter who we're playing, and we uh, and we win the three-game series. So that's been impressive. I mean, the Guardians really have said, you know, like, forget your trade deadline. We are here. We are here to compete. We are here to stay in the competition. Uh in this American League Central and in the American League wildcard, frankly. So, yeah, the Guardians are not going anywhere. And uh, Class A picks up the big save, goes, you know, uh, no hits, no walks, two strikeouts, a really solid ninth inning from Emmanuel Class A. And he gets the strikeout to end things, which is always fun to watch him pumped up like that. And of course, the other out was a ground out because that's what Emmanuel Class A does. Now, the big discussion with Class A online was uh can we get him as cool of a walk-up entrance as diaz has for the new york mets uh diaz has this trumpet uh this this song that has a very heavy trumpet section and the whole crowd gets pumped in new york it is one of the coolest entrances in baseball and uh yeah I, to have an iconic you know uh, I mean, new york teams are very good at this right uh you know, New York Yankees longtime closer Mariano Rivera had an iconic entrance with Enter Sandman. So yeah, I think we I think we do need to work. Apparently, his song is called Fireman. That's the song that Class A comes into. Uh, I don't know. I think the marketing team over at Progressive Field maybe needs to put their heads together and see if we can get Class A an iconic closer entrance uh, to work with, or how to get the crowd pumped up for the song Fireman. I, I don't even know what it sounds like to be honest with you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and that's some, that's tangential stuff. That is not the storylines of this game. That is just some fun tangential stuff that was being batted around on Guardians Twitter and on baseball Twitter last night. I mean, everybody was talking about Diaz's entrance. So, uh, yeah, let's get back into this game. So it is a battle between Christian Javier and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, and McKenzie, what was working for him on the day? Let's focus on Tristan McKenzie. Uh, what was working for him on the day? Well, of course, it's a ton of fastballs from Tristan McKenzie, but it's the curveball. The curveball was filthy. He had seven whiffs on 12 swings. It's a 58% whiff rate on that curveball. He also had seven whiffs on the forcing fastball, uh, three more on the slider. It's good for a 31% whiff rate on the day for Tristan McKenzie. And he was getting called strikes on that fastball. Seven called strikes. 
It's a 48% total CSW on the curveball. It's a 32% total CSW on the day. Uh, like usual, it's about even split with the curve and the slider. 23 curves, 22 sliders, but 46 four-seam fastballs. The velocity was down a little bit on the fastball, which was interesting. Usually, he can get it up 92, 93, 94. It was, it was averaging 91.7 yesterday. And everybody's velocity seemed to be down about a half mile per hour. Uh, every Yeah, even Stanek, uh, for them, who throws very hard, he was down almost two miles per hour in the day. So I'm wondering if it was something with the baseball, something. It was a very humid day. In Cleveland yesterday, so was it the humidity that was just making it difficult to hit your velocity? Uh, but everybody's velocity seemed a little bit down on the day. The key with all those fastballs, and uh, they put seven of them in play, was that the average exit velocity was also very low. 88 mile per hour average exit velocity off that fastball. They did hit his curveball and his slider a little bit harder when they put it in play, but I mean limiting damage. Uh, doing a great job letting the defense play behind him, getting a ton of ground ball outs from Tristan McKenzie. Um, he ends up recording eight ground ball outs to four flyouts, plus add in those eight strikeouts. It's very good stuff. There was good uh, infield defense behind him. Uh, you know, they turn a double play there in the eighth inning to get him out of the eighth inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario had a really nice play where he broke to his left, got one, spun and threw to first. Uh, they were actually gushing on the TV broadcast about Ahmed Rosario's defense. And yeah, he really has played some outstanding defense in this series. Uh, so yeah, what else can we say about McKenzie? Let's talk about location here. Uh, let's go over, let's look at the count breakdown first. Um, was he working ahead? Was he working behind? A pretty even split. Uh, let's see here. Eight batters get to a 1-0 count. Out of the uh, out of the twenty five batters he faces, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That ooh, let's see if I can do some quick math on that. Does that mean seventeen guys start o one? That's pretty good stuff from Tristan McKenzie right there. Um, I can tell you that only a few guys, two guys make it to two o. Nobody makes it to three o. Way more guys are sitting o one, o two, one two on the day. Uh, really, really doing a good job uh, on that side of the pitch count uh, here on the Illustrator. All right, let's go to the pitch chart. Let's see where some of these pitches were located. And the fastball, you know, he was working north to south with that fastball. He actually did a good job of throwing it. Uh, I wouldn't say to all four quadrants. Uh, once or twice, he did hit those bottom corners, and it worked out for him really well because uh, he got a couple of called strikes down there, uh, down to his glove side. Mostly working north to south, up and down the middle of the plate, working the slider to the glove side a lot, uh, up and down from the top of the zone to the bottom of the zone, throwing the slider all over the place. The slider did get hit around a little bit, and then throwing that curveball below the belt for the most part. Uh, there are a couple of curveballs that are up, but I would say uh, 90% of his curveballs are below the belt. I would say about 40% of his curveballs are below the knees. Uh, so really doing a good job of attacking the bottom of the zone with that curveball, and it would pay out for some of his strikeouts. So where were those strikeouts located? 
Uh, he actually got a lot of strikeouts on the fastball. Of those eight strikeouts, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of them were via the fastball. So that was the pitch that was really, really dominant for him on the day. Uh, he did get uh, one slider, a swing strike to Jake Myers in the second inning to end the second inning. And he got Dubon to chase in the second inning, a curveball down and out of the zone. Uh, he got a few of these looking. Some of these fastballs got guys frozen with. Uh, in the sixth inning, he got Pena looking with a fastball painted in the bottom corner. Uh, he got another one on Jake Myers in the fifth inning. Just locks him up right at the knees. Uh, so interesting that there were some called strikeouts in here. I think it was only two called strikeouts on the day, but both were low fastballs that just locked hitters up. Um, trying to go through all of them just to double check. There wasn't another looking strikeout. Everything else was a swinging strikeout on the day. And I just wanted to go and look at some of the pitch sequencing to see how he was getting those strikeouts. He had a ton of strikeouts in the second inning. In fact, he strikes out the side in the second inning despite giving up two singles. Uh, for uh, Alex Bregman, he strikes him out to start the inning, and it's just all high fastballs. Man, he just pumps them by. One at the top of the zone that he fouls off, another one up and away that he fouls off, and then just blows one by one. Now, this is one. This might be his, one of his hardest pitches thrown on the day. Those first two fastballs were at 91.7. He goes up above the zone at 93.3 and really puts a little extra mustard on this one and strikes out Bregman here. He gives up back-to-back singles to Mancini and McCormick, but then Dubon comes in, does a good job of working the zone, fastball's curve, going back and forth between fastballs and curve, going up and down, starts up with a fastball, then hits a curveball in the zone, goes down with a fastball uh, that's fouled off, misses in with a fastball, drops another curveball on him in the zone. Frankly, those curveballs he fouled off uh, he fouled off the second one. That was the pitch he wanted to hit. And then he chases a curveball way down and away. I mean, in the other batter's box, practically down in the dirt. Really, really bad job by Dubon there. Uh, he fouled off the one he had a chance to hit and then goes and chases. And then Jake Myers was uh, a pretty nasty at bat as well. Starts him off with a forcing fastball that he just whiffs right down the middle. Uh, misses with a, two sliders away. Uh, gets him to chase a slider, though. Gets him to chase the third pitch, which was a slider away. So after he just laid off a slider, he goes and chases a slider. Uh, tries to come up and in with a fastball, but misses. Tries to come up and in again with a fastball, and he fouls off one up at his shoulders. This is a bad, bad, bad by Jake Myers. He's just flailing. He has no idea what's coming from McKenzie. Lays off a curveball in the dirt, but then comes back with a slider in the zone, and he swings through it for strike three. So really using all three pitches in that at-bat to Jake Meyer. So nothing in here is like looking like, wow, what a great pitch sequencing. I think, man, his stuff just must have been extra extra nasty on the day. They couldn't read it coming out of his hand maybe. Like what in this at-bat got him to chase these pitches out of the zone so bad from Jake Myers there? It's just a bad at-bat there from Jake Myers. He had two more strikeouts here in the sixth inning. I like this sequencing a little better. He goes a low fastball for a called strike, then comes high with a slider that he misses with with a ball, but he's working high-low, comes back down with a slider, 
down and away, and he chases this one, and then comes back up with a fastball. Frankly, this one is on the plate. I mean, Maldonado should have hit this one. Uh, but I don't know if it was changing speeds between the slider and the fastball, working high and then low uh, in this at-bat, but he strikes out Maldonado, and then he would get the next hitter, Jeremy Pena. Again, this is a high-to-low sequence here, and I think this is my favorite sequence on the day. Uh, throws a curveball at the knees for a swinging strike. First pitch curveball, I like it. Goes high with a fastball and misses. Comes back with another curveball in the same spot, and this time he fouls it off. Comes back. Back with a high fastball up at the top of the zone. Now he's protecting and he fouls this one off. And then comes back down and paints. This is the the, uh, the four-seam fastball that he absolutely paints. The down and away corner. The glove corner for Tristan McKenzie. And it's a called strike three on Jeremy Pena. This was my favorite strikeout of the day. This is the one I was searching for here. Working high to low. Uh, and then coming in, he'd seen only low curveballs. He had seen only high fastballs. And then just locks him up with a curveball down and away at the knees. That was a beautiful strikeout of Jeremy Pena. So uh, there is some detail on Tristan McKenzie. Now, uh, the other storyline in this game. It was one hit from the Guardians that uh, that got him their one run. It was Luke Maley, the catcher, in the eighth spot. He, frankly, got a high fastball from Christian Javier, and he did not miss it. I mean, this thing was a meatball from Javier. Uh, you really couldn't ask for a pitch in a better spot. A little bit up and in uh, from Christian Javier. 93-mile-per-hour pitch. He turns around and hits it at 103 miles per hour. Um, exit velocity. Uh, what was the distance on this one? It's the kickoff, the uh, fifth inning, 103.8 mile per hour exit velocity, 35 degree launch angle, 377 to the home run porch there in left field. A nice moonshot home run from Luke Maley. And that would be it as far as scoring goes in this game. Now, that's not to say the Guardians offense had a terrible day. Uh, Quan, despite striking out to lead off the game, Actually, has two hits and a walk in this game, so he's on three base, three base. He's on base three times again from the leadoff spot, which is great stuff from Quan. Uh, back in the lineup after fouling one off his foot two days ago. Uh, you know the hit streak is broken. The hit streak starts right back up again today. You got to imagine if he didn't foul that ball off his foot, the hit streak would still be alive. Uh, Ramirez had a nice double in the first inning. It didn't turn into anything. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez had two hits from the sixth spot in the lineup. Uh, so that's nice to see. And then Maley delivers that home run. So they were able to get on base a couple of times and threaten. Uh, they threatened late in the game with some uh, back-to- not back-to-back walks, but two walks in the seventh inning. So they had a chance, but Ahmed Rosario would ground out. Uh, they had back-to-back hits in the eighth inning. Andres Jimenez and Oscar Gonzalez would single, but Owen Miller would fly out to end that threat. It's not the only time Owen Miller ended a threat. Uh, yeah, there were two guys on in the fourth inning. Uh, this time it was Naylor and Gonzalez with singles, and Owen Miller grounded out to end that threat. So Miller did not have himself a good offensive day. Uh, did do okay defensively. I know there was one where Jose Ramirez made a tough stop and then threw wide a first base, up the first base line. Owen Miller had a range off the bag to get it, kind of jumped to get it. I think the person who hates that the most is probably the base runner. 
because he's watching the entire thing happen in front of him. Here he sees the first baseman leave his feet right in front of him in the base path. And as the runner, you got to be thinking to yourself, like, I'm going to get killed. Like, I this is this is all lining up for me to get injured. Uh, but somehow he comes down, makes the tag. Nobody gets hurt. Uh, they get the out. So that was nice to see from Owen Miller finally playing a little bit of decent first base. But, man, Owen Miller is not hitting. I know people were talking about this online, too. Owen Miller has, since April, I mean, he looked okay in July, but he's fallen right back off in August. And he is a guy that's struggling. I mean, of all the guys that have been up there that have been given a lot of opportunities this season, he's the next on that list of guys where it's like we might, our patience might be running out with you. So it's going to be interesting to see if Owen Miller makes it through this season, unless he turns things around. I got to imagine they're going to be looking for somebody else to play first base. Now, they don't really have first basemen lined up in the minors like they do middle infielders and outfielders, but Benson and Nolan Jones have both tried to learn first base. Uh, Benson was playing there a few times in AAA, so you got to imagine at some point somebody else is going to get an opportunity at first base if Owen Miller doesn't start hitting the ball. All right, so the offense gave it the old college try against Christian Javier. They just couldn't seem to get another run across against him. Javier was good. He wasn't as good as he was in his last start against us. Pitching in Houston, he was absolutely dominant in that start, beating Cal Quantrill. He goes five and two-thirds, three hits, no runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, only one hard-hit ball given up in that game by Christian Javier. That was uh, back in May in Houston. This start does not go as well. He goes six innings in this start, gives up six hits, the one-earned run on the solo home run, no walks, but only four strikeouts on 91 pitches. He's hard-hit five times. So Javier still very good, just not as dominant as he was in his last start against us. And what was the difference? Uh, Going over to his player breakdown page, it was the slider. Last time he faced us, he was absolutely filthy with his slider. He had a 62% whiff rate with that slider, a 39% whiff rate total on the day. In this game, he only has a 27% whiff rate on that slider and only a 16% whiff rate on the day. So a huge difference there for Christian Javier in this start. So that what was that's that's the storylines. That's what was going on in this game. I think that's about all I could tell you about a one nothing game. I think we have really really sunk our teeth into this one. We showed you what McKenzie was doing. It wasn't dominant pitch sequencing and he challenged a lot of hitters frankly with fastballs on the plate. Both pitchers did. Javier, if you go over to the Illustrator, was on the plate and up to with that fastball a lot. Fastballs middle-middle and middle-up a lot from Christian Javier. And uh, frankly, he's lucky he didn't walk away with a worse box score on this one. All right, MVP on the day. Of course we're going with Tristan McKenzie. Just an absolute, an ace-level start from Tristan McKenzie. He really has the potential to be a number one starter uh, one day for this team. So MVP on the day, going home with Tristan McKenzie. Again, eight innings pitched, two hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts on 91 pitches. That is great stuff. All right, we get an off day finally. We finally get a break. The guys get a break. We're going to take a day off from podcasting. Uh, I'll be back 
on uh, Wednesday morning will be our next show. We get to go to Detroit, have a nice little three-game set against Detroit. They've already announced that Savali is going to be back and make his scheduled start on that Wednesday game. And then we go up to Toronto for three over the weekend, and of course that's going to be interesting because there are guys that are not vaccinated and they cannot travel across the border if they are not vaccinated, and it's going to cause problems. So it's been a problem for every team that's had to go up to Toronto. You'll find out exactly who on this team isn't vaccinated, and yeah, it's... You know what? I'm not going to get into a whole COVID thing right now let's enjoy this guardians win let's enjoy the fact that they split with the astros i i think that's impressive that they split with the astros i think it really is astros are clearly one of the top three teams in the american league and you went toe-to-toe with them yes you got beat up pretty good those first two games but you came back with some strong strong pitching from quantrill and mckenzie and you were able to handle them to split the series so it would be interesting to see what a matchup between cleveland and Houston would look like in a playoff series. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on Tristan McKenzie as maybe the ace of this staff one day. Uh, We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.